war against Israel. I thought, what that? That's out of the headlines, like right now, right? Yeah, some things don't change much. And he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass that place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Whoa, this is supernatural. Uh, Knowledge, words of knowledge. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the, the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore, the heart of the, and here's, your, here's how we pray for those even who are enemies, their hearts, that their hearts would be changed. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by, by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? He thought there was a spy. Well, it's called prophecy. God says things to you that you don't know. There's words of knowledge, there's words of wisdom, there's prophetic words. God reveals things. And one of his servants said, None, we have no spies, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet, he's the one who is in Israel. He tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Now that's kind of personal. But that's how tuned in Elisha is. So he said, go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. That's right out of scripture. I'm going to get him. And he was told him, saying, surely he is in Dothan. It's Dothan, where Joseph was taken captive. Okay. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. A great army there, okay? Horses and chariots. Get the picture? And they came by night and they surrounded the city. Well, so much for Israel, right? They're surrounded. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? There's no, we're surrounded. Oh, we're done. We're dead. So he answered, do not fear. How many times have we heard that today already in the music? Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And his servant goes, okay, what were you eating last night? There's nobody out there but the bad guys. We have, we have nobody. That's what he saw. But this might be for somebody here this morning facing an impossible situation. And then Elisha prayed. See, when you pray, sometimes uh, what is hidden is made known. Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. (laughs) <laughs> okay, it, the story goes on. It gets, it gets really good, uh, but the point of it being is that if you have eyes that see what's really going on, the conclusion is God is really in control. And again, you look at Israel on the map today, and she's surrounded. And this last week, the, uh, there, there, are, there are new missiles going to Iran from Russia via Syria to keep them from from attacking. 
And it's like, oh man, there's no way they can win this. God has it all under control. Now, that's nice if we talk about what happened a long time ago. But let's talk about you today. Because some of you, and you have really good reasons. You know, when uh, uh, Peter, in the storm on the Sea of Galilee, when Yeshua was, was walking on the water in, in, in the middle of the storm, the boat was sinking, and here comes Yeshua. And uh, Peter, in, in, in a, a little bit of faith, he goes, Lord, if that's you, let me come to the water, I'm walking on the water like you. Yeshua said, okay. So he, he lets go of the boat. That's an act of faith, more than I would have had. He got out. But as he walked, it says, and he saw the wind. You can't see the wind. Oh, you can in the ocean in, in, in bad weather. In a hurricane, you can. It's all full of stuff and, and water and, and the waves. And he said, and he was fearful and he began to sink. But he was walking on the water. Then the Lord grabbed him. Of course, after that great lengthy prayer that we should all memorize, Lord, save me. Get, keep that one handy, okay? That's all he said. Lord, save me. Sometimes we think we have to go, well, what's the you know, Lord, of, Lord God of heaven and earth and creator of the universe and all that? No, just, Lord, save me works if you need it, okay? But he pulled him into the boat. I think he's still holding on to him. Looks him in the eye and he said, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? And there was no good reason. He just didn't doubt. Well, we can look around and see the attack. We can see the enemy coming against us. We can see like we're all alone. And what are we going to do? Um, some of you are in, in, in situations like that right now. You need that suddenly. You need that miracle. Okay, a great, a great miracle happened. Not... Back then, not over there, but you need one to, for you. A great miracle needs to happen to you. And this is how I was going to end my teaching. Maybe this is the end. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But this passage really speaks to me. And, and it's, I'm going to pray what Elisha prayed for you and for me, that the Lord opens our eyes so we can see what's really going on. And uh, behind the scenes, God is at work. And like Elisha said, there's more of us than there is of them. Okay? God has his angels. They're not just in bleachers watching. They're actively involved. They are. You don't see them. People hardly ever see angels. If you take a look at how many times angels appear, it's rare. It's rare that they, that they appear. But they're working behind the scenes. In fact, when Daniel prayed that great man of prayer, uh, one thing he couldn't believe, he didn't say this, but I imagine he was kind of getting there, it's like, Lord, I prayed that three weeks ago. Daniel is used to getting answers right now. I pray, it happens. I pray, it happens. He prayed, nothing happened for three weeks. It's like, Lord, it's been three weeks. And the angel shows up out of breath. Wow, man, sorry. Sorry, I'm a little late. But uh, the, the second you began to pray, I was sent. So the angel was bringing the answer to prayer for Daniel. But the demon in charge of Persia, which is Iran of today, ironically, stopped me, and I had to do battle against him. And I finally got loose. It, it, he, there was a hindrance behind the scenes. So sometimes in Scripture, when God opens our eyes, we see the battle going on, his battle behind the scenes, and the battle is over us. The battle is over us. And so I, I want to pray today that you have maybe a little bit more faith 
And, and not that you have to see horses and chariots of fire and all that kind of stuff, but that uh, it's okay to ask for a miracle. Lord, I need a, mir- I need a miracle. Okay, I can't do this. And when I said that earlier, kind of in a light tone, most hands went up. Okay, and it, it isn't, would you like one? It's, no, I need, I need one. I need one. And I love giving reports to answers of prayer when they're miraculous. When you can't say, well, you know, that really was this way, and this was manipulated, and they did this. No, no, it's an absolute miracle. So, some of you need that. I'm going to pray. You just quietly as I pray, say what you need to him. Not to me. I can't do it. But to him. But to him. And I'm going to pray that we can soon have you giving reports of your miracle. And we, can, we, we will gasp when we hear how big it was, that he, what he did for you. Or for someone that, that you love. Let's pray. Lord, as we see this page after page in Scripture... These make for great Bible stories. And we have great heroes, Elijah, Elisha, Moses, Joshua. And it's like, well, that happened to them, but it never happens to us. Lord, I believe it can happen to us. Lord, I pray as Elisha prayed for, for his young assistant, that you would open our eyes, open our hearts. I pray that we would see with our hearts. We would see as you see. And Lord, I pray that you would, you would begin that, that miraculous process that we would understand that there's nothing too big for you. With God, all things are possible. Okay, you can do anything. Lord, I pray that as you hear these requests this morning, that, that nothing is too big for you, that you would begin that work, that process of answering these prayers, and it would be a great miracle that happens to the people in this room and their loved ones, those they care about. In impossible situations... I pray for a, a sudden turnaround. Lord, in the book of Acts, time and time again, we see, and suddenly this happened. That's my prayer, Lord, that suddenly these requests will happen, and they'll be miraculous because there's no way they could have manipulated or pulled this off on their own. That the only possible explanation is that you did a miracle, and we give you the glory, and we give you the credit. And it's not anybody who did anything on their own. Lord, I pray for the protection of your people in Israel. They're surrounded. The missiles are in place. It's, 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 it doesn't look too good. Lord, I, I pray that they would be looking to it at this holiday season saying, well, it's happened before, and we pray it will happen again, that a great miracle will happen here, one of protection, that you are a God that keeps your promises to your people, and they will be protected against attacks from the enemy. <clears throat> Lord, I lift up people in this room who are dealing with issues with children and grandchildren, uh, possibly like, like Sandy. And, uh, and we, like they, like they did in Second Chronicles, we confess we can't do anything. But Lord, we're hurting, we're in pain, our, our hearts ache. Lord, I pray that you would do the work and that we would trust you and you'd give us peace to know that you have the solution and that you have the answer. Lord, I, I pray for those miracles. A great miracle would happen here that you would undo the work of the enemy. All the things that he's done to discredit you and and make us doubt that you you would turn it around because of your awesome and and mighty power. You would provide where where there's no hope, where there was no no prayer of anything happening. You would come through. Lord, I pray for the the children in in our congregation, that they would see these things happen. And, and, and realize that you're alive and well and answering prayer today. 
that our Bible stories aren't just things that happened a long time ago. That stuff happens today. And Lord, it happens to us. And people like who are in this room. Lord, I pray that you would give us the faith that we need. As Yeshua looked at Peter's eyes and said, why did you doubt? He didn't have a good answer. There isn't a good one. Lord, I pray that you would forgive us for our unbelief. As, as the man said, Lord, I believe, forgive my unbelief. Lord, forgive our unbelief. And strengthen us to move into a place of total trust and total belief in an impossible situation. And as you have time and time again how you've rescued, how you've saved your people from destruction, that you would save people in this room from emotional destruction, from financial destruction, for those things that the enemy has a hold of, and seemingly they can't get out of, that miraculously you would provide a solution. And it would be suddenly, Lord, it would be suddenly. I thank you that we can lift these things up to you. And Lord, I just have a sense that, that almost all the people in this room um, are dealing with, with a heart-wrenching issue at this time. Lord, I pray that you would speak to them clearly. Give them, give them peace. And, and just let them know that you have the solution. And they might hear your sweet voice say to them, everything is going to be okay. And Lord, may we give you the glory, not take any credit. And I thank you for your provision. And I thank you that you answer prayer. And I thank you that you know the beginning from the end. And your calendar has, has, has those things that we can trust you for, that the best part is yet to come. That the Messiah will fulfill the Davidic covenant in Israel and sit on the throne of David and be king of kings and lord of lords. Open the eyes and hearts of your people as you prepare them to receive the return of the king. May we do our part, and may we be ready. Lord, forgive us our unbelief. And some in this room have not because they ask not. They think it's too, too big, it's too much. Lord, forgive us for that. With God, all things are possible. Lord, I pray today we would present to you the impossible, the absolute impossible, and ask and receive in Yeshua's name. Amen. All right. Maybe that's the answer to her prayer. We'll see. That, wouldn't that be nice? That's happened here before, by the way. Uh, we're praying and the phone rings and that's the answer. So um, turn, okay. Last week we were in, in, into our annual Hanukkah theme of the real reason of Hanukkah, the purpose, is not the oil. And, and to remember, well, you know, the, the oil was, was provided by a miracle and so on. But the attack against the Jewish people, and we called the, the topic identity theft, because we saw that Satan, all through history, had, tries various ways to eradicate the Jewish people. There's more than one way it can be done. One way is genocide. You kill them all. Well, that, he keeps trying that. But another way is complete assimilation, to where you take away their identity. So there's nothing any different about them than anybody else. Uh, their ethnicity, their culture, their heritage. If it's all taken away, what do they do? Well, they have to then blend into where they are. And they become that culture, whatever it is. And then within one generation, there are no identifiable Jews. He's tried it. That's what Hanukkah was all about. It was, a, it was a, an attempt, first by choice. They made it look really good. An, an attempt to uh, take away their identity. And then it became law. 
See how he works? It starts off, oh, you're going to like this so much better. I mean, if you take a Greek name and, and quit eating that kosher stuff and eat, eat what we eat, do what we do and act like we act and all that kind of stuff, uh, it'll be more fun. And some people bought into that. But then it became law. You have to do this. You have to do what we do. You have to eat what we eat. You cannot worship the way you used to. You will worship the way we tell you. And uh, the state took control of, uh, of religion. And so, punishable by death, uh, by the way, and literally all the things God said to do, circumcision is only one, but all these things God said to do this became punishable by death. So the choice is you either assimilate or you die. And we mentioned last week that, well, I would stand up and say, I will die. But that's not what they did. They, they started killing family members, okay, one by one. And you know what? After all that's happened uh, this last week, and you know, all that just... I, I can hardly watch that. Okay, when I when I see that, I, I can't understand who could do that. I, I can't. And all that comes to mind is evil exists. Evil exists. Satan never has a nice day where he's going to be nice to people. Okay? Yeshua said he, he's the thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy any way that, that he can. Evil exists. Yeshua said, I'm the light that shines in the darkness. Boy, do we need that. Uh, on the thing with the evil, uh, a good uh, friend of mine who's also uh, a Navy chaplain, we were kind of at the same pace all through our, our careers. I, I, he, he, lived, he was the dean of a, of a university up, up in Walla Walla, Washington. All right, Walla Walla, Washington. And one day across the uh, info line came this. He was called into... Did I tell you this uh, last week? I don't think I did. No, okay. He's, he's the dean. But he's called into the head, head, head uh, uh, counselor's office with his wife. And they say, what, what is going on? Well, they want to see the two of us together? How, how odd. And the head counselor came out. And he said, I, I have the worst possible news I could give anyone. Your daughter has been raped and murdered. She was a mission student, going to be a missionary. Had it all together in her, in her senior year. Going to go to the mission field. And she's raped and murdered. It's like, okay, well, you're not going to believe this next part. My friend, who is a solid believer, went to the, they caught the guy. Right away, they caught the guy. He goes to the prison. And he, want, he wants to forgive this guy. He goes there with his mindset on forgiving him. I want to do what Yeshua, I want, to, I, want to, I, want to, I want to forgive you. And he sat down with this guy and the guy said, I'd do it again if I had a chance. There was no sorrow, no repentance. It was like, well, why did you do it? Well, I was walking by and I saw her in the window, so I went, there was no reason. I'd do it again if I, if I got the opportunity. And so what my friend said, what I learned from this is that evil exist and it's way worse than we think. And we can't give the enemy any inroad at all. Because with Hanukkah, it kind of looked good at the start. Oh yeah, just let him... But then the end of it was death. But when you give Yeshua the inroad, the end of it is life. It's the absolute opposite. But it begins by a compromise. By compromise. And it was identity theft. That's what we called the, the topic. Um, 
In Deuteronomy 14, too, I wasn't going to read it, but you can look it up later. It just talks about that, that God said that he created Israel. Israel, he didn't pick a nation. He didn't look around and say, oh, okay, you guys are small. I'm going to pick you. To, to, no, he created it. And he made promises, covenants with people in it. That he had, they, can't, they didn't do anything. He says, I'm going to promise you this. And they would stand on the promises that he would make to them. Another one later, I looked this up. Uh, King David wrote this. 2 Samuel 7, 23 and 24. He talks about the great love that God has for his chosen people, Israel. Key word, chosen people, Israel. In the Deuteronomy passage, it, it, it calls them the, uh, the apple of his eye. Three times it says that in, in, in Scripture. The apple of his eye. Well... How does that work? God has declared by his word that Israel will exist eternally. Eternally. It's eternal existence. And Israel will bring about the ultimate eternal purpose of God on this planet at the end of time. In spite of what anybody else says. All right? Well, in spite of what any other leaders say or say that they're going to do. God has spoken and that's how it's going to end. Jeremiah 31, the new covenant. plain as can be among other places it's a declaration of truth God is speaking I am going to do this it's not some opinion somewhere God says Israel will exist eternally now we who are here (laughs) okay what are we well that's what we're going to get to in a minute we're a community of people in God's design in creating Israel this entity, all right? Uh, you can't be a part of Israel by yourself. You cannot have Jewish identity alone. Can't do it. It's based around community. It's based around a community. Because God knows we need each other, all right? And strength comes in, 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 in numbers. Now, God commanded that we gather a lot of times. He, says, he doesn't say, you have fun if you do. No, he says, you will on this date. Come together. Now, there's a reason. There's a reason for that. It has to do with he wants. We're designed to be in a community. As identifiable, we have an identity. What keeps us together anyway? Well, God commanded that we get together, and and the Torah. Jews around the world, in the diaspora, what keeps them Jewish? The Torah. The holidays, which are in the Torah. The traditions, which are not in the Torah. The traditions. It all keeps us together. Because they're all doing the same thing at the same time, all the time. And that has formed an identity. There's a Jewish identity, heritage and culture. You study missions. Pick a country in South America somewhere. Ecuador, okay. Uh, Let's do Peru, the home of the Mayans. Well, Peru. Well, you study Peruvian culture, history, and so on. Language, foods, and all that kind of stuff. So you're going to be a missionary, you go to Peru, so you'll understand that culture, their heritage, which everybody has a bigger one than we do. We're, ours are short in this country. All right? And so you can, you can speak into that culture and understand how to present the good news about Yeshua. Well, if you, if Jewish identity, see, it's so much easier for us. You know why? Because it doesn't matter what country they're in. China, India, Thailand, 
It doesn't matter. They're, the culture stays the same. They do the same holidays on the same dates with the same blessings, the same scripture readings, the same songs, the same foods at the same time everywhere in the world. That has kept community when you're thousands of miles apart. And uh, we have that famous old saying is that the, uh, uh, have, 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 have the Jews kept the law? Um, I'm, I'm quoting this wrong. And they said, no, but the law has kept the Jews. Okay, that, that has been, doing those things at the same time in the same way has kept, has maintained Jewish identity. Now, why is that important? Because God's prophetic ultimate purpose for this planet comes about through Jews who have to be identified as Jews and they're living in the land of Israel. So you have to have a Jewish state to do that. And if the UN doesn't like it, that's really too bad because this says that. And if you take a look at the promises over 2,000 years of, of being uh, in the diaspora, we're coming down to the end of the story here. I mean, I have books at home that mock the concept that Israel will ever be a state again. That the Jewish people will go back to the land they once had in the Middle East and have a country. They mock that. And yet there were Bible believers who said, you know what? Bible says they're going to go home. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know under what circumstances, but I know it's going to happen. And it did. And it was a great miracle, by the way. It was a great miracle. But uh, God will keep his word no matter what anybody, anybody else says or thinks. But you can't have a, a Jewish identity all by yourself. Now, the identity is identifiable. This becomes important. I sense a part two coming on this one too, by the way, because I'm going to start the pot a bit here. Some, not all, some people who are not Jewish, we'll call them non-Jews, okay? Some non-Jews are called to identify with the Jewish people. Some, not all. And it's a calling, all right? Some are called to identify with Jews and a messianic lifestyle. As you've seen, our lifestyle is the same as what yours used to be. There's some differences, and the family just doesn't always get it, do they? They go to, to we who are not Jewish. You weren't raised Jewish. Okay, do you know what I dislike about that tree? That there's not one present with my name on it under there. That's what I dislike about that tree, all right? Well, but I was just with family, okay? And it's like, oh, yeah, they, a lot of them don't get it. They, they don't get it. This is not how you were raised. I mean, look, look at the Baptist preacher here. He has a tambourine. He has dancing shoes. Well, not today, but I mean, the, the keep, he wears his little hat, okay? We didn't raise you that way. Yeah, I know. See, what I do, I choose to do because it has meaning to me. Nobody makes me. There's not a guy at the door that, 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 that puts my keeper on. Now, I've been to conservative synagogues, and they have a guy at the door who puts the keeper on you if you don't have one. Seriously. You, you big tall girl at the door, he, he puts it on. I'm, I'm serious. All right? It's just respect. Some non-Jews are called to identify with Jews and live a messianic lifestyle. Back in Acts 15, where the problem was, all these Gentiles are coming to faith in Yeshua, but they haven't a clue what it means to, be, to, to live as a Jew. They haven't a clue about Torah or anything. What do we do? Who's getting out of hand? Now, that's a great problem. Isn't that, isn't that an amazing problem? There are so many coming to faith. That's a problem. It is a problem. It is a problem. 
But as Peter was talking, he was saying that, that, that Gent, some of these, Gent, these Gentiles who come to faith in Yeshua, these are pagans out there now, uh, have been chosen to bear his name. To bear his name. In fact, turn to that. Um, Acts 15, 14. This becomes important. Acts 15. Important chapter, Acts 15. A lot of misunderstood stuff in, in this one. And next, okay, n- next week we'll go into a lot of misunderstood stuff. Acts 15, 14 through 19. Okay, and Simon Peter has declared how God, he's, he's talking to the Jerusalem Council, how God um, at the first visited the Gentiles. So that was his encounter with, with Cornelius. He got the in- invite. And how did he get that? An angel appeared to him and said, Peter, you're going to go two days walk north to Caesarea to the house of, Corn-. he names them, Cornelius. Talk about specific answer to prayer. You will go to, this was suddenly, to Cornelius, to his house. All right? And you will, you will give, you will tell him basically how to be saved. Okay? And it's like Peter was thinking, uh, I don't go into houses of Gentiles, number one. I don't eat like they eat. He's a Roman. He doesn't know anything about this. Where do I even start? His house is unclean. Well, so much for the excuses. Peter learned that God first visited the Gentiles. Here's the verse. To take out of them a people for his name. Well, okay, then he quotes the prophet Amos. After this I will return and build and will rebuild the tabernacle of David which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins. I will set it, set it up so that uh, the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. The rest of mankind. There's a missions vision. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name. Says the Lord who does all these things. Ooh, Gentiles called by his name. Verse 18. Known to God from eternity are all of his works. Therefore I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles, who are turning to God. And not other stuff. They were turning to God. This was true teshuvah, true repentance. The point of it is that there's a unique calling on some Gentiles. And the whole issue was, they don't become Jews. You notice I said that we, who are not Jewish, have been called to identify with Jews. See, the problem comes when they're not taught properly, and they identify themselves as Jews. That's not biblical. And that's where we have to have a part two on, on this stuff. Now, Romans 11 is another part of the picture. We have three-part series on that one verse alone. The picture of the olive tree. It, it has deep roots, all right? But it has two kinds of branches, Jews and non-Jews, who believe in Yeshua. But they have a distinct, different identity. But they're together. They have, a, they have a togetherness and a separateness. And they're linked to the roots, which are Jewish roots. And they go very deep. But the branches don't change into the other branch. They stay identifiable. Gentiles stay Gentiles. Jews stay Jews. That's the problem that we've had of why we need Messianic congregations. If you're sort of new here today, because today is not the time to win, we have several tapes 
on the role of the Gentile, how this works. There's a little blue paper on the back table as you go out, two pages. We take it to conferences that say that says, what is, who are we? Who, who are we anyway? And this, this will help a little bit. If you have an understanding of, of world missions, it will help a lot because it's, it's contextualized, it's culturalized, so that Jewish people will understand. We have an outreach to Jewish people. Okay, that, dis- that makes us dis- distinctly different from everybody else. Well, their outreach is going somewhere else. But in Romans 11, two kinds of branches, but one root, a common root. Okay, the two branches are identifiable as different. Non-Jews in the Messianic movement, like me, we identify with Jews, but not as Jews. I wear this, not because I have to, but because I choose to. It has meaning to me. Okay, it's not how we look. You know, it's not if we do all the right. Some people think that. No, it's in your heart. It's in your heart. Do you have that calling? Our, our identity. This is real important. I'm going to wrap part of this up in about five minutes and finish at, uh, next week and, and get you wondering if I've gone off the deep end right here. We identify with Jews, not as Jews. Our identity, who, you who are not Jews, is not in our Jewishness. Some people go the wrong way and that becomes their identity. That is not biblical. All right? Such as do, in doing Jewish things. The focus becomes, and they tell you, oh, you're doing it wrong. That's not the right way. No, Rabbi so-and-so, and, and, and they, the focus becomes doing Jewish things. Your mezuzah is too big. It's aimed, it's aimed the wrong way. Okay? It's all this focus on things. How you look, how you dress, how the, you know, all this, right? That's not where our identity is. It's not supposed to be. Not in doing, not the dress, not the songs, the food. What kind of kosher are you anyway? How many kinds are there? There's a lot of kinds. It's complicated. It's not in any of that. Our messianic Jewish identity is in Yeshua. He's the focus. He's the reason we exist. Our statement of faith, which will be out next week again. Uh, we have two pages, 13 points. Okay, it says why we exist. It tells you what we believe. What we believe. This kind of tells, tells us why we exist. But we exist to proclaim Yeshua as the Messiah. And as Paul said, to the Jew first. And also to the, to the Greek. We don't exclude them, but the priority is that it goes to the Jew first. Okay, in church history, they've gone to the Jew last. And they've gone all, you know, the, part of the reason we do this is in church history, they've done the reverse. And they dress anti-Semitic and do things anti-Semitic. And, and take the, they extract the Jewishness, just like the Greeks did, out of the, out of the faith picture. And Yeshua is not even recognized as, as Jewish. And uh, at the Michelangelo's uh, Last Supper, the, that big tall bread on the table, there's with matzah. Anyway, anything Jewish has been extracted and taken away on purpose. It's, the faith was de-Judaized. And the, the believers who are Jewish have been Gentilized. Now, you put that back in focus to the olive tree and nobody loses their identity. Jews stay Jews. Gentiles stay Gentiles, but they're together in the same tree with the same root, doing the same things, but they're, they're not a hybrid. You know, we haven't got a third group here. All right? And the problem that we face, 
I'm going to get in trouble here. I'm like, okay, well, let me just follow the, the, this note for a second. Our calling and vision, as Jews and Gentiles, grafted together, as Paul taught in Romans, into one tree, our purpose, listen carefully, is not to proclaim Torah to the Gentiles. Now, that's a part of what we do, and what we should do. But you don't need believers in Yeshua to do that. You don't. You don't. Well, then, uh, were they doing it? No, they weren't doing it. Isaiah said you're supposed to be, pro- you are to be a light to the Gentiles, to the Jewish people. And they didn't do it. They did not do it. They didn't have the vision. Yeshua said, okay, we're going to revamp this. The vision is, you are going to take the scriptures to the Gentiles. But you start by proclaiming me. You go out and proclaim me. See, we believe that this is the inspired word of God. Every single letter in this book, God had them right. This is the inspired word of God. Where did, we ought to take that. But, but the priority is, it, it is to the Jew first and also to everybody else, that we exist to proclaim Yeshua, to reach out to Jewish people. Not learn how to do Jewish things first. Although we learn the Jewish things so we can fit into the culture and not be an embarrassment. If you're invited to somebody's house for a Shabbat dinner, it helps if you know what's going on. If you don't know what's going on, they're, they're gracious and nice and that's okay. But it, it, the reason isn't to be Jewish, it's to speak into the culture. And, and what I said was that Jews stay Jews. Well, how does that work if they believe in, in Yeshua? Well, he's a Jewish Messiah, prophesied about by Jewish prophets in a Jewish book, written in a Jewish land. It's really Jewish. The whole thing is a Jewish context. But it's been changed over the, over the course of time in church history. And a part of that change is the same thing that the Greeks wanted to do happened in Rome. The identity of Jews who believe, believing Jews, was removed. And the government, they took over, they took control. The state, once again, is now in control of religion. And they say, you can't be a Jew and believe in Yeshua. You're either a Jew or you're a Christian. You're one or the other. Whatever you are, you can't do that. Decide what you are. So they were told. And as history progressed, we're still told today, in church and in the synagogue both, that a Jew cannot believe in Yeshua and and still be Jewish. Well, wait a minute. What happens? Well, they're a Christian. Well, then, if you're a Christian, see, see, that's why we need our, our, our term. If you're a Christian and you have a mezuzah, and you circumcise your kids, and you have a seder, and, well, wait a minute, how does that work? We've had testimonies in our congregation. We've had guest speakers and and, and musicians and so on, where someone will do some of the right things and lead them to the Lord. They were raised in in Orthodox Jew. And they led them to faith in Yeshua. And then they shake their hand, and they say, congratulations, you are no longer a Jew. You are now a Christian. It's like, and their identity is, is kind of shaky here. Wait a minute. Because you don't see any of that in the book of Acts. Jews stay Jews. Gentiles stay Gentiles. Where do Gentiles go to worship? The synagogue. They went, there was Jews and Gentiles together. Okay, get, get the CD and why Messianic congregations. The model we have in the book of Acts is Jews and Gentiles were together. In the synagogue, what did they do? They had a Torah service. 
They study the scripture. Yeah, okay, it's a Jewish thing. But all of a sudden, they see what the, what the prophets were, were predicting, that Yeshua is the Messiah. And that's the picture. When, when a Jewish person came to faith in Yeshua, they just understood who the Messiah is, the fulfilled prophecy. The Gentile doesn't become a Jew. He, he now gets this, and he gets, oh yeah, God's promises, but what does that has, has worked with him? The Great Commission. Yeshua died for everyone, everywhere. All people, groups, and all places, and all time. That includes them. So why are they hanging out in the synagogue? Where else are they going to go? Nobody else believes in one God, except Jews, back then. So if you're going to learn, and by the way, this one God's done a lot of stuff already. How are you going to learn about that? Well, there were no churches yet. So you go to the synagogue to learn. What do you do there? You get acquainted. You, they teach you how to do a Seder. They teach you about Shabbat, because the Bible talks about Shabbat. And uh, you're welcomed, and all of a sudden together you have a common bond that you see Yeshua as the Messiah. But the identities are not mixed. It's not a hybrid. But at the same time, you're in the olive tree, two in one tree, same root. They got it back then. We, we have some identity crises going on. <clears throat> All right. Paul talked many times. He would say, we take the message, the outreach message, to the Jew first. And also to the Greek. That's not one or the other. It's not, we do want, no. It's a world vision, but priority is we go to the Jewish people first. Did Paul do that? In the book of Acts, when he came to a town. Oh, by the way, he was the, you can talk back for a second here. Paul was called by Yeshua to be the apostle to the Gentiles. Okay, the apostle to the Gentiles. Okay, when he would come into a town, where's the first place he, he went? The synagogue. The synagogue. He never lost his identity. Oh, didn't he he used to say, oh, remember back when I was a Jew? No, he, he, several times he says, I am a Jew. Not I was a Jew. I am a Jew. Um, He gives his lineage and his background and so on. Did Did he say, you know, I used to be a Pharisee. He said, I am a Pharisee. I am. His identity as a Jew, didn't change. But he was showing other Jews that you can believe everything a Jew believes and come to faith in, in the Messiah and not change that. Because here, I'll, I'll end with this. Here's what church history has done. I know you didn't do it, and I didn't do it, but it's, in church history it's happened like that. <clears throat> Jewish people, it's, it's, they're told this by the synagogue and the church both, are told that you can't be a Jew and believe in Yeshua. Because what happens if you do? How you get from point A to point B is that you have to give up your culture, give up your heritage. You know, it's, it's the richest heritage of, of all peoples. Uh, uh, give up your traditions, all those things that made you you. You have to give all those up and come on over to this side and be totally different. And so, they, before they even hear about Yeshua, they say, well, wait a second. What you just told me, going back to Hanukkah, our teaching last week, what you just told me is, you're turning me into a Greek. I, I, I do all these things that Greeks do and forget the things Jews do. And the answer was, yeah, that's right. You're not under the law anymore. You can eat pigs. You can be a pig-eating, uh, anyway. And you don't have to do Shabbat. We made it on Sundays, by the way. We're not, not on Saturday. It's the whole thing. And he looks at that, and before he hears the claims of Yeshua, 
he says, you know what, I'm not interested in that. And that's been the problem. They've never heard the claims of Yeshua because what they hear is how you can't be a Jew anymore. And they say, no thanks, because I don't want to give up my heritage. You know, my, my bar mitzvah was really important to me, especially and my grandma. She gave me a lot of money, okay? And, uh, and, and I really enjoy the holidays. I still like Moses a lot. And, and you know, if, if, it, if to believe in Yeshua means that I, I can't do all those things that are my tradition, my heritage, and my culture, those things that identify me, I'm really not interested. And they never hear the message of the Jewishness of Yeshua. When the book of Acts says, no, don't change anything you're doing. Just come to faith in Yeshua and just keep doing what you're doing. Oh, and that's our message. And, and that's our message. That uh, the most Jewish thing you can do is believe that God has sent the Jewish Messiah to the Jewish people born in the Jewish land of Jewish parents. <laughs> they, were, they, they were Jewish. Uh, and prophesied about by Jewish prophets in a Jewish book. Nothing non-Jew about that whole picture. And yet he's been made to look like something he's not. The artwork in, in Europe it makes him look like some kind of a European the whole, the whole picture was changed on purpose. On purpose. So part of what we're here for is to build some bridges of understanding. But the first one is that you don't, if you're Jewish and don't believe in Yeshua yet, you don't have to change anything. You don't lose your identity. And, and, and next week I'll tell you about well-meaning Messianic people who cause us lots of problems because they walk around saying, now they're Jews. It's very confusing. No, you're not. All right? You identify with Jews. You are not a Jew. Well, I'll end here, and we'll pick it up uh, next week. But the identity issue is important because some people who are Gentiles want to be Jews. Ever met anyone like that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How many Jews did God make in history? Well, you know what? Not very many when you add up all the Gentiles. It's currently one half of 1% of the world's population. It's a teeny, teeny little fraction. Okay? God must really love Gentiles. He made so many of them. And that's the focus of the Great Commission, to bring the message to them. And who was sent? Jews. Jews were sent with the message to go to the Gentiles, to build the, the structure. All right? As the structure, as, they, as there became more of us, Gentiles, than them, it started having some problems. How do, we, how do we do with this? How do we deal with it? So next week, we'll pick it up there. Let's all stand. John, come on up. All right. We have our blue sheets in the back table. I'm going to be praying for your sudden miracle. We hope to hear some reports next week. Lord, I pray that we would exercise the faith that we have and trust in you for the impossible. As the angel said to Mary, with God, all things are possible. It was like, end of story. No more debate. He said he would do it, he will do it. Lord, we lift up our prayer request to you in our areas of need, in many cases areas of pain. And I pray that you would touch the hearts 
and you would provide the solutions, and you would do a miracle. In Yeshua's name. Thank you.